On this week's episode, learn why you've got to dream big but live bigger and how you can shatter stereotypes, break through limitations, and do what's never been done. Welcome to the Compete Every Day podcast, a weekly show to help you harness the power of competition to be better than yesterday. Hear each week from performance leaders, coaches, and experts on the benefits of competition and how you can use it to win at work and in life. And now, your host, Chief Encouragement Officer at Compete Every Day, Jake Thompson. What's up, competitors? Welcome to a fresh episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. My name is Jake Thompson, your host each and every week here on the show. I am the Chief Encouragement Officer at Compete Every Day and your friend here on the Compete Podcast talking about all things be, to be a better competitor in your career, in your relationships, and in your life. We all know competitors are the ones in life that make better choices. They make bigger impacts, and you are here because you have that desire you desire to make a bigger impact at your work, at your home, and in your life. And so that is what we are going to dive into this week with our guest, Rachel Balkovec. Rachel was the first female strength and conditioning coach in Major League Baseball history. She worked with the Houston Astros, the world champion Houston Astros. But man, her story is so much bigger than doing that. She considers herself a nomad, a minimalist, an athlete, a feminist, a coach. She's one of everything. And she tells us how it is, and if we are not shedding our skin every year, we're not living right. So Rachel and I dive into her career, how she broke into the bigs, how she plans to get to her big dream of being a general manager in Major League Baseball, being the first female general manager in baseball, and what in the world she did to pack up and leave the Houston Astros organization and move overseas for a limited time. If you have a desire to break through barriers, if you are looking to do something that's never been done or you need to be inspired about what's possible with your career and your life, this interview today with Rachel is for you. Now, I just want to remind you, as I do every week, if you have not dove into our free Facebook community, you got to get in there. This episode drops on November 20th, and tonight, that's right, tonight, we are unveiling all of our Black Friday specials for the Compete community three days earlier than we're releasing to the public. So all the members in the group will have first shot at our Shirt of the Month Club, our special Champions Club that is limited to 30 members and includes multiple mentoring opportunities, online courses, book club access, and everything in addition to a fresh and I'm telling you, the shirts for 2019 and the Shirt of the Month Club are the best 12 we have put together to date. Your, your mailbox, your life will be just full of fire all year long. So we've got that in addition to a number of other brand new designs, fresh posters, and more. So get in that Facebook group because not only are you going to get the deals and find out what's coming for Black Friday and get early access, but the best part of that community is the people in it. So hop in, join the group, say hi, make a post, get to know other like-minded competitors. 
We are a community strong, built on building each other up, challenging each other to get better. And that is the one place that I'm diving in every week. Multiple competitors are diving in every week, interacting, encouraging each other, pushing each other, and making sure that you're doing what it takes to get better than yesterday. Now, you've come here to listen to this interview with Rachel, and I am excited to share it with you. Let's dive into the show with Rachel Balkovec. Oh, and before I forget, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving this week. Eat a lot of turkey, watch a little football, have some fun, and just know that we at Compete are incredibly, incredibly grateful and thankful for you each and every day. Now, get to know Rachel. Rachel, welcome to the show today. How are you? I'm uh, I'm really excited. I, you can't see my face, but I'm like <laughs> smiling from ear to ear. So uh, I'm feeling really excited, and I'm also a little bit tired because I'm. It's 9 p.m. and I'm and I'm ready to go to bed. So this is a weird combination. Yeah, let's. I was about to say let's talk about that because as we are recording, it is 2 p.m. Central here in Dallas, Texas, and you are not in the United States at all. Where are you in the world? I'm in Amsterdam in the how Netherlands. Long, yep. How long have you been there? Uh, approximately three weeks. <laughs> so fresh. You're just now adjusted to the time differential. Yes. Yeah. I'm just getting used to the bikes and the rain and the all that. So, yeah. That's that's awesome. So we've got to give a shout out uh, to Coach Stephanie Webb at UT Tyler, who introduced yes. the two of us and felt Rachel would be a great guest on the compete everyday podcast and and obviously after checking out all of her stuff i thought so as well but before we dive in rachel i'm going to let you give everyone just a top level thirty thousand feet in the air overview of who you are and then we will dive into the weeds who am i i am uh i am a nomad i'm a feminist i'm a minimalist i'm a student I'm an athlete and I'm a coach. And so um, that's who I am. And and what I do for a living or what I've done for the past 10 years is a, I've been a strength and conditioning coach at pretty much every level. Um, Starting out in college at LSU and Arizona state. And then also at the professional levels, mostly in professional baseball with the St. Louis Cardinals, Chicago White Sox, um, Houston Astros, most recently, um, I just left the Houston Astros in pursuit of a second master's degree in biomechanics. And that's kind of what led me to Amsterdam. And while I'm here, I'm working with the national baseball and softball teams, um, also doing strength and conditioning and also a little bit of skill acquisition in both uh, like hitting and pitching. So that's like the huge way zoomed out view of <laughs> who I am and, and what I do. But if I told every detail of my story, it would take probably upwards of 30 minutes because I've lived in about 13 cities and I've had probably 10 jobs since I was 18. So <laughs> there's a lot that. of details left out. Yeah, I know. So the first thing I've got to ask is Amsterdam is known for a number of things, but <laughs> uh, baseball uh, would not be one of them. Uh, oh, yeah. So what led would tell us a little bit more about that specific location, because when you, you tell me some of the work that you're doing, especially on the baseball side and, and your experience, I'm blown away that Amsterdam is the current location for you. 
Yeah. So, um, well, for for those of you who don't know, the Netherlands actually has a really good baseball team, um, like the national team that is. And the world of sport outside of the United States is so different because college sports don't exist. And so like, this is basically their top level. Like this is what you do. If you want, if you're good in a sport, you play for the national teams. And that's probably, that's actually very common outside of the U S whereas like, if you are really good at a sport, you're probably going to most likely go to college and play that sport um, in the States. And we just have so many more opportunities in that way. So the Netherlands actually has a pretty good baseball team behind the United States, obviously Japan, the Dominican Republic, maybe like Cuba's in there. And then it's the Netherlands. Like they're always, they're typically top five, definitely top 10 in the world. Um, so it's, it's not as bad as you think, but it's just not very well known. I don't think. Um, but how did I end up here? Basically I was just before the, the podcast started, I was telling um, Jake that I was taking a trip to Europe last year and I put it on Instagram. I said, Hey, strength coaches, you know, I'm going to these three cities, Paris, Brussels, Amsterdam. And I was like, please just let me know if you know any strength coaches that I should connect with. And Dave Tenney from the Orlando Orlando Magic recommended a guy named Paul Venner. Paul Venner is the strength and conditioning coach for the national baseball team. He also mentored under Franz Bosch for four years. And if you're in strength and conditioning, you probably know that name. If you're not, it means nothing to you. Franz Bosch is a huge, huge influencer of strength and conditioning in Europe. And he's started to sell a lot of books and like information in the United States. Um, And he's just out there, man. Like he's kind of like in a corner that nobody else is. And he's talking about motor learning and he's talking about the nervous system. And he's talking about all these things that I think that were kind of missing in the States with strength training. Um, So anyway, I knew that. And I just kind of, I visited and I was like, all right, let's just see what is up. So I went to go visit and I was just like blown away by the stuff they were doing, both from an actual like baseball side of things, like the skill acquisition and also from strength and conditioning. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, well, I've I've never seen this stuff before. And just because something's new and different doesn't mean it's good, but also it just makes you think like, man, on the opposite side of the world, they're doing something I've literally never seen before in my 10 year career. And I started looking more into it. They were doing research with virtual reality and eye tracking, um, which is kind of a new technology, not kind of, it's a very new technology. And they were doing research with that. They're also doing research with some biomechanics stuff with this university. Well, simultaneously, I was applying for school. They didn't know that I was applying for school um, to go back for a degree in biomechanics. And, you know, I left there, I stayed in contact with them. And I basically just asked them, like, what was that university? I looked up the program for the human movement sciences program here at at the VU in Amsterdam. And, and uh, now I live here. That's (laughs) awesome. Long story short, now I'm living in Amsterdam, going to school and I'm working for the national baseball team. And how long uh, going to school, how long will that process be for you? It's actually only, it's two years, but it's one year of classes and one year of research. So I actually did, um, it's a biomechanics degree, but my direction is going to be probably more towards the front office um, and route to being a general manager or president of a baseball team. Um, and so I'm, I'm in the process here. I made it a research track. And so that means that basically it's a lot of data analysis um, it's a lot of soft, like math software and breaking down numbers. So it is biomechanics, but it's also just 
a huge amount of stats, which is what baseball and most professional athletics teams are going to. Awesome. And, and so that I'm intrigued by that a little bit because for a lot of general managers, presidents, you see it in some other sports that a lot of people come up through more of the scouting ranks than the strength and conditioning route, correct? Uh-huh. So you're obviously, <laughs> you have your eyes set on a, an awesome goal. I'm curious what's make, what's motivating you or inspiring you to make that pivot from a very non-traditional sense. Granted, you've been all about breaking barriers in non-traditional sense and in, in that you were the first female strength and conditioning coach in the majors, correct? Um, yeah, I'm still, I'm like in the minors, but in major league baseball. Yes. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, well, it's because it's because I, I am so, if it's one thing that I'm good at, like I'm, I'm like a mediocre straight coach, but I, I think I'm an excellent student of culture. Um, and I just like, I love, I love, love diving into, uh, learning about coaches who are successful, which is why, like, I love listening to coach web talk, or I, I'm glad that we're like connected because she's extremely successful. Um, but also like people, people like Anson Dorrance, people like Pete Carroll, like listening to their stories and also just understanding who they are as people and how they run their programs is just fascinating to me. So basically it's, it's a, I, I want to make a bigger impact on an organization and it's very hard to do that from the role of a strength and conditioning coach. Um, I think I have, I, I don't, I have a natural knack for, for leading and leading groups of people. And that's a role that I fit v- very well into. And I, I love to do it. Um, I love, love mentoring people. I love being in the hot seat. I like the pressure. Um, and I think I'd be good at it. Like, like anyone else that wants to do something like I, I want to see if I can do it. Um, it's going to be another decade to 15 years before I even like sniff an opportunity. And I'm totally okay with that. Um, so strength and conditioning is, it's like I said at the very beginning of this podcast, it's like, that's not who I am. It's what I do. And that's been the past decade of my life. And I'm totally okay with shedding my skin and moving into a different role. And I think the last 10 years are going to make me better, you know, at at the next 10 years, because guess what? Sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of times, the role of a strength and conditioning coach is kind of the bottom of the barrel as far as like your say in organizational culture. Um, It's kind of like, oh, you're the strength coach. What do you know? Type of thing as far as running an organization. Um, And that's not where I want to (laughs) be. So what I've got to see though, is I get to see essentially, like I said, just the bottom and it's no disrespect to my profession because obviously I freaking love it. Um, but it's considered that way. And sometimes, and like, I've gotten to live at the, at that point in an organization, I've gotten to see it from that kind of perspective. And I think that's going to help me in the future. So it is non-traditional. Um, and I'm glad, you know, I'm glad that I I've gotten to see like the, the dirty side of it. And I've gotten to work with all the athletes and I get to see them off the field when they're not in a competitive situation, when, you know, they're in the weight room and basically the weight room is a beautiful place to observe the growth mindset because you just like, you put in the work, you get the results. It's not like on the field where there's a lot of other factors involved. So I think it's going to be a benefit. Um, but 
pretty much anyone I tell that to is like, what? (laughs) (laughs) You want to be a GM? Okay. Hmm. (laughs) I think GM outside of owning the team is probably the more fun position uh, because it's Mm -hmm. like for me growing up, I, I was an addict on Madden and and MLB the show mm-hmm. and and 2K and I had more fun in the off seasons building the teams putting the pieces mm-hmm. together and I find that interesting especially when we talked about when you discussed that the strength and conditioning coaches lower on the the totem pole in terms of who they influence and who ranks above them in terms of impacting but they have such a an a touch on the pulse of the culture because they're in that locker room. They're working with the people. They know how these two personalities respond, how they need to be pushed that those strength and conditioning coaches are really vital into either helping build up the culture or maintain a certain level of standards and culture that the organization needs to have. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's again, it's like no disrespect but I actually believe I, I got into baseball. I mean, I got into baseball for several reasons, but one of the reasons was, is because I wanted to help the profession of strength and conditioning in professional baseball. Cause it's a bit behind, but like, I actually think that I can do a better job of helping the profession. If I'm in the front office, than if I'm just a strength coach, like yapping about how we need to get, have more respect and like trying to gain it through knowledge or this or that, when the people who are evaluating the strength and conditioning department don't actually know how to evaluate it. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of my take on it is I I don't want to leave strength and conditioning in the dust. And it's again, like no, no disrespect, but I actually think that I can make a bigger impact on strength and conditioning and like, you know, basically creating value in it, being able to evaluate that department if I'm not in it. (laughs) So let's, uh, let's flash back a little bit uh, about you. Obviously you played, sports in college you went Mm -hmm. immediately into getting your master's and then looking at it did you know from your playing days or before your playing days ended that this was the route that you wanted to go or was this kind of something that you just started you you knew what you enjoyed you knew where your strengths were but you just started focusing on what that next step was and this is ultimately where it's led you um are you referring to strength and conditioning or to professional baseball specifically uh, I would honestly say both, uh, knowing that you, you played, uh, in college, uh, and obviously doing your masters at LSU where they have a historically great baseball program. Um, yeah. I'm just curious of, of kind of that route. And the reason I ask is there's a lot of people listening to the show that some of them are, are so entrenched in the career they have, they know what they want to do. They're working toward it, but there's a lot of people I know listening that may see what they're good at or where some of their passions lie, but they're not quite sure what that end goal is. And they're, they're really not sure of, of, well, if I don't know how to get all the way there, or if I don't really know what that end goal is, do I need to do anything? Which I don't think that's a huge Mm -hmm. challenge for a lot of the listeners, but I think a lot of people in life, unless in their heads, unless they know every step to get to that end goal, there's no sense in, in taking off after it. And I'm curious if you knew what your blueprint journey was going to look like, or you just started saying yes to different opportunities that aligned with what you wanted to do. Um, well, I'll just, okay, well, maybe, I, maybe I'll answer. You just asked like, I think 
10 uh, 15 questions. So let's All back right, up. So, so from a strength and conditioning law, that's yeah. the first one. Strength and conditioning. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, so we'll start first with strength and then we'll start with baseball. Sure. And they, and they mold together. So basically the short story is with how I got into strength and conditioning is I just, I sucked at softball in college. And so I was, I was playing um, softball at New Mexico and I had, I got the yips. I had the yips before I transferred there. And I just like, for anyone who doesn't know the yips are basically, I couldn't throw the ball back to the pitcher as a catcher. Like I had major game anxiety. And so in any kind of pressure situation, I couldn't be trusted to like throw the ball accurately. I could possibly throw it away. And so I actually just didn't play a lot. Um, Even though I was physically like primed to, to crush things. Like I was such an athlete um, and I still am, but I just like really had a lot of problems with that. So a sports psychologist, the whole thing. Anyway, in the meantime, in the weight room, I was really succeeding and I, I worked my ass off and I, you know, like the, again, like the weight room became my way to be successful and to find worth in myself and also just worth like on the team, you know, to be able to contribute and kind of add that positive, you know, contribution in any way that I could. And that was in the weight room. So, you know, naturally, like I, I did exercise science, I was really fascinated in it. And then that kind of, you know, I wanted to coach. And so I love coaching. And even, even in college, I was like, even though I was sitting the bench, I think I was some form of a leader on that team. Um, and so that's kind of how strength and conditioning came about. Then um, I, I never really used to tell this part of the story, but now I don't care it's been a while ago, but basically I was actually dating a baseball player. And so, and we dated for five years. We met at New Mexico, dated for a couple of years there. And then he got drafted and started playing minor league baseball in the Dodgers organization. So simultaneously, as I'm like in strength and conditioning, I'm dating this guy. We dated for five years and I saw minor league baseball at its finest. And I saw like, he went to rookie league and then he skipped a thing and then he's bouncing around and he was a prospect. So he went to instructs and he went to fall league and he went to winter ball, which means nothing to most of the, the listeners. But basically I got to see like all the facets of professional baseball that no one ever really knows about. Even if you're a baseball fan, you like really don't know all of the layers of the onion. I got to travel to the Dominican Republic with him while he was playing winter ball and see a Dominican Republic and understand like where these Latin American players were coming from. And I just got simultaneously very fascinated with the actual business and like the entire ecosystem that is minor league baseball. And so I, I wanted to pair those two together and I just was like, yeah, I'm really interested in being in professional baseball as a strength coach, because I was kind of also seeing that they're feeding their players, hot dogs and this, the strength and conditioning was like so old school and like behind and conservative. And I was like, Oh, I I think I can help. Like I I really initially thought being at LSU at the time. So I did my master's degree at LSU and LSU has a very like excellent strength and conditioning program as well, run by coach Moffat and Melissa Moore um, along with their athletic department, which is awesome. Go tigers. (laughs) And um, I was like, Oh, let me just see if I can help professional baseball. So yeah, that's kind of like where the professional baseball came from was actually like dating a professional baseball player and understanding the inner workings of, you know, all that is minor league baseball and being fascinated by it. I love that. Okay. So I want to flash back. 
a little bit because you mentioned the yips and yeah. <laughs> I, uh, so for people listening that are, are like, what do you mean? She didn't forgot how to throw or couldn't throw. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you've ever seen Chuck Knobloch with the New York Yankees had this happen in his career, Rick Ankiel, who is a stud yeah. with the Cardinals pitcher mm-hmm. just lost control. He reinvented himself, came back as an outfielder, um, but he had that issue. Uh, and, and I know a guy that played in the minor leagues for uh, the White Sox that happened to him. He just had the yips and just suddenly yeah. couldn't pitch anymore. That's that's yeah. something that's really tough to get past. And, and I want to ask you how you dealt with it as an athlete, because what you told me is that you found additional ways to contribute, which means you were more concerned about helping your teammates and the team and contributing, which I think is incredible because a lot of people and a lot of athletes lose, if they lose their sport, they lose their identity and who they are as an individual. And you have that happen, whether it's an injury, whether your career ends, high school, college, pro, it ends before you you ready for it. If you can't identify that I'm a pitcher anymore or I'm a, a player, like if I don't have that, what, who am I? What am I going to do? Yeah. And, and a lot of people retreat away from that versus taking the route that you've chosen to go and, and pour back into your team and your teammates. What was that process like for you? of losing a little bit of that identity as a player, as an active player on the team. And how were you able to mentally deal with it? Because, I mean, strength and conditioning, you're dealing with a lot of the physical aspects of players. But the mental side, you get hands-on the mental aspect to the game for a lot of these players because they know what to do, but sometimes that they can't mentally make themselves do it. Uh, So tell us a little bit about your journey through that and what allowed you to contribute back to the team in a positive way instead of retreating to be by yourself. Okay. So many, so many comments about what you just said. But one thing is that's part of the funny part is like, I'm a strength and conditioning coach, but I could give a shit if you squat heavyweight. Like I don't care. What I care about is your intent behind everything that you do. And like, I talk to the players so much about the mental side of things way more probably than I talked to them about the physical side of things. Um, so that's like, that is a very strong passion of mine that stems partly from my struggles having the yips. How did I handle it in college? Awfully <laughs> so <laughs> terrible, but it's like, you know, I was 18. I, I got it my freshman year And it was from like a not so good relationship with my coach that I had started to have some anxiety. And like, I didn't, I didn't know what it was. No one said to me, Hey, this is a psychological thing. It was more like, let's change your mechanics. Let's do this. You're not focusing, blah, blah, blah. And if you know me as a human being, you would know that me not focusing is like almost impossible. And so I was like, Oh, I'm not working hard enough. I need to change my mechanics. Da, da, da. Like I had no idea what was going on. And I, so that was my freshman year and my sophomore year. I like, it was just struggle, like so much struggle, so much crying. So that was like when I was losing my identity. And then finally it was like acceptance my junior year where I sat on the bench. I knew I wasn't going to play. My role was to be in the bullpen with our two freshman pitchers who were struggling like hell to mentor them. 
to be a voice for the team, to work my ass off in the weight room, to contribute, just to be a contributing member of society in any way possible. And, and I was, I was like much happier my, my junior year. And then my senior year actually did not play. And I did an internship. Like I basically was like, I'm not going to play. The coach was like, you know, this is, it's over. And I was like, just, I parted ways. Now closure came probably longer after that, but it sounds like kind of silly when I look back on it, but I going into college, I wanted to play professional softball and athletically I probably could have. So it was a big deal when that happened and I had to let go of my identity as a softball player, but God, has it helped me in my life so much because you, you should, I personally believe you should be shedding your skin on a regular basis. You should let go of one identity and have another one. This is why people struggle when they have kids and they can't, keep their old identity of going out and partying or doing whatever da, 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 and then they're not happy like you should be okay with shedding your skin and moving on to a different part of your life how can i move to quit the houston astros just won the world series quit a job with them move to amsterdam the, there's probably they could win again this year i just walked away from that and if i was so stuck in my identity that's why you said at the beginning, who are you? I try to no longer answer with my job title. I try to answer with like who I am at my core. And I, I hold those things close to me. And the things that I do externally are just like, that could fade away tomorrow. You know? And so that was a hard lesson I learned as a college softball player of like letting go of my identity because yeah, you're right. I was the softball player and I was an athlete and like, Ooh, I was so cool. Cause I was an athlete, this or that. Da, 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 da. And I held onto that so tightly. And so when I had to let it go, I tried to hang on with for dear life and it didn't go very well. <laughs> and so now when I have the opportunities or I have hard decisions to make where I have to let go of an identity, it's not as hard because I recognize it for what it is. It's okay. I love that. Uh, it's something every athlete, former athlete can relate to. And, and unfortunately for a lot of us, we have that similar, we don't handle it in a very healthy <laughs> manner because we don't embrace that change, that new chapter. So that's why I was intrigued to hear it because you have the injuries, you have the retirement, uh, but something in your instance is not unique for baseball players, softball players by any means, but to those listening that, perhaps they haven't played sports in years, perhaps they're struggling with something in their career or from a fitness standpoint that they mentally just something's off hearing the fact that it's, it's okay to have a new chapter. It's okay to, to walk away from one style of training and, and go do something else for a few years, uh, change careers, move like all of that is, yeah. is acceptable and to lean into it instead of shy away from it. Yes. Like you, the more you cling on to something, that's no longer serving you. I mean, just think of the time that you're wasting, you know, yeah. we all do, we all do it. We all do it, you know, but, but it's like how much, how efficient can you be at noticing something that's not serving you? That could be a mindset. That could be a training regimen. That could be a friend that could, it could be anything. Recognize what's not serving you and move on. <laughs> like just let it go. You know, <laughs> Easier said than done. Always easier said than done. What? So on that note, what advice would you give to your players of, of two to three things that they can do to better embrace 
that change? Um, you mean transitioning, like, or just change in general? Change in general. Uh, just oh, yeah. learning to lean into change as more of something that that can be really good instead of always <laughs> looking at that discomfort as as a negative. Oh, I, I can't even, I say this so much. Like I talk about this all the time. Like you can't, you cannot be so stuck to something this year. One of the players came up to me. Um, this is a perfect example. Came up to me and he just was like, you know, and he's like, oh, like just pouting. And I was like, what's wrong? And he was like, Oh, the pitching coach, he said that I was going to pitch on Friday and now I'm going to pitch on Saturday. And I had my whole week set up and I was going to do this on on Tuesday and this on Wednesday and this, and I was like, okay. I was like, mm-hmm, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he got done. And I was like, are, are you ready to hear this now? Or do you want to wait till later when you're calmed down? And he was like, he's like, what? And I was like, you're so stuck to your freaking routine. It's breaking you. Like you're, you're so stuck to you were going to, it's one freaking day. I was like, what happens when you get called to the big leagues and you're not a starter anymore, you're a reliever and you don't know when you're going to pitch, you're screwed. Like if you are so stuck, I just posted about this on Instagram. If you're so stuck to something, you're dependent on something. That's an identity. That's a person. All those things I just listed, you're screwed. You have to be flexible. You have to be able to like live. I mean, if you saw like, just, I'm like, I'm saying this and I'm looking at my apartment. If you saw my apartment right now, you would freaking laugh. And it's funny. Like I'm on this podcast. Oh, I'm the first female strength coach in baseball. Ooh, I worked for the Houston Astros. I don't, I don't even have a fridge. Right. I have not had a fridge for the three weeks that I worked in Amsterdam so far. I'm sleeping on a twin mattress on the floor. I have literally like gone almost not dumpster diving, but I like pick up people's trash that they leave outside and bring it to my apartment. Why? Because I just moved to Amsterdam, went back to school, which means I spent like 20 grand on school last month. So like I'm broke. I'm 30 years old. I'm not broke, but like I'm, I'm living like a college student right now. You have to be able to like let shit go and be able to mold to your surroundings or you are screwed. And that is in every facet of life. Like you, I talk to the players about that all the time because especially this year, I'm kind of going on a rant, but what are podcasts for? So <laughs> I, especially this year, this season I spent in double a, and it is this, the league that I was in with this, the team um, is just terrible for travel. Like there's, we have overnight bus rides of 12 hours. So you're like sleeping on the bus, da, 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 da. And there's just so many excuses for, well, you know, I didn't, I did, I'm, we're on the road. It's hard to eat on the road. I don't have my normal routine. We slept on the bus last night, blah, blah, blah. Like if you cannot be flexible and just figure out ways to be successful in whatever situation you're in, no matter if it messes up your routine or it's, it's not who you normally with or what you normally do or whatever, then you're just like, I mean, just quit life. Just quit. You're never, you might survive, but you're never going to be wildly successful. Like everyone says they want to be. Everyone says they want to be wildly successful, but not everyone <laughs> wants to, to do what's necessary to get there. And it's funny. You mentioned that I was just uh, reading something the other day. It's the steps. A lot of times are simple. 
to oh. be successful. Like the, the knowledge is out there to be there and we, we overcomplicate yes. it a lot. The problem is just because it's simple doesn't mean people want to do it. It's not fun. It's uncomfortable. Uh, oh. A lot of times it's monotony day in and day out of, of essentially pounding the stone as Josh Metcalf would say of putting in that work. And so people don't have that long-term vision or that long-term drive to stick with it. And so they bail out, even though they have everything it takes to be successful in that pursuit. Preach, preach, preach. I love so it. I want to hear, I want to hear from you. What is something uh, about this new change, this new chapter in your life that you are most excited about uh, living in Amsterdam? Oh, okay. What am I most excited about? Well, the, you know what it is this year is definitely about going for me, like it, you know, to go back to school, but what this year is really about is it is a sabbatical from, you know, when you're inside my, my boyfriend always says this, when you're inside the jar, you can't read the label. And so I've been in professional baseball for six years um, I have, I've had my ups and downs in that. And I wanted to take a step away to get some mental space. I mean, I wanted to go to school obviously, but it's serving a lot of purposes. And I've this, basically the second I got here, I just was like, my mind was free. My creativity was at an all time high. I'm getting excited about projects that I kind of put to the side. I'm starting a podcast. I'm starting online programming stuff. I'm training I'm training probably more than I ever have, but just with more intent, I'm training at, at a CrossFit gym, but I'm also training at a gym um, that is run and it's owned and operated by a guy who trained under Ido Portal for three to five years. I think um, if you don't know who Ido Portal is and you're listening to this, please Google him. Cause he's a freaking just, I, I don't even know how to describe him. He's like, He's, he's Conor McGregor's trainer is what he is, but he's just incredible mentally and physically. So it's this year, what I'm the most excited about is, is giving myself mental space to be creative and to be exactly who I want to be in every way so that I can have clarity going into my next step, which will most likely be, you know, like I said, front office scouting, whatever it is um, to kind of just, take a step away and come back in with a fresh mind. So on that note, giving yourself that space, what does it look like? Because your goal that you've just set that we're talking about on the front office side is a long-term goal. This is not something that's going to be achieved mm -hmm. within a year, two years. You know, this could be a, a five to 10 year pursuit mm -hmm. um, at a minimum. How are you, internally staying motivated on it but but secondarily what are you doing on a daily or monthly basis to make sure that you're consistently taking a step forward toward that goal even though it's so far away it's tough sometimes to see that finish line or those final few miles uh, right up to that spot first of all i am currently on a daily basis i would say visualizing on myself um, the thing that I, that comes to mind and it's not on purpose. I don't sit down and say, yeah, I'm going to visualize. I, I get on my bike ride to school, which is a 30 minute bike ride sometimes in the rain. And I let my mind wander to like, I, I imagine giving interviews to the press as a general manager. 
And I just do that naturally. Like I don't, you know, I'm not forcing myself to think about that. And so that's, it is far away, but it's, it's not in my mind. And I think that's something that's very powerful and has been researched, you know, in psychology that like visualization is a powerful tool. And usually the people who, you know, are successful do it really well and they do it often. And it's because they are thinking about their goals, even though they're, they are far away. So the other thing is, is it's, it's brick by brick. You know, I don't care if it's going to take me 10 or 15 years. And frankly, I don't care if I ever get there. It doesn't really matter. If I had told you all the professions that I've wanted to be in my life, there's like 10 of them. But I just know if I head in this direction, I feel very strongly if I head in this direction, it's going to land me in the right place. Will I be a GM? Will I be a president? Will I be a farm director? Will I be a scouting director? I don't know what I'm going to be. And it doesn't matter. No one knows what they're going to be in 10 or 15 years. But I'm going to head in this direction and I'm going to envision myself being successful in the, in the way that I'm heading no matter what. So like brick by brick, I believe that what I'm doing right now is an important step, even if it's like a, a fraction of the little, you know, the giant steps I need to take. It's a little fraction. Every day I get better at being myself. Every day I get better at, at finding, finding um, the optimal state that I'm living in. And if I'm living in an optimal state, I'm going to be successful, period. And so maybe that means I'm going to be a GM. Maybe that means I'm going to own my own business. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I have that goal in mind, but that's just the direction I'm heading, you know, and it is far away. So you don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if I answered your question, but I just rambled on for like five minutes. So hopefully I got there. (laughs) No, yeah. yeah. So uh, what I loved most about that is the fact that you're continuing, continually making progress and growth in the direction, but you have no idea what's going to happen when you get there. And I think Mm -hmm. that's relevant because the most important part of that is the fact that you're daily putting in the work to get better. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times we lose our focus when pursuing certain goals because we're not focused on the daily process of it and the daily process of getting a little bit better in the pursuit of that. And, and so people will ask, well, you know, my goal is to be a professional baseball player. There are thousands on thousands of kids that have that approach. And there are Mm -hmm. thousands on thousands of kids that will not reach that goal. They may top out at AAA. It could be single A. It could be college. But if they commit to building that process of getting better every single day, what can I do to become a better ball player, a better teammate, a better leader? Then what you're doing is you're, you're building your own skills and you're putting yourself in a position to seize other opportunities that when one door might close, you're mm-hmm. already prepared for that next one, that next chapter, because you're light years of wh- ahead of where you would have been. Exactly. Um, I think, yeah, I think back to my career and, and everything that's gone on and, and what I've done and what what has worked and what hasn't worked. And and it's just been about a continual process of, of essentially competing every day to get better, knowing it puts you in a better position later to either seize an opportunity or adjust if adversity hits that you never would have had in the first place, because who you are becoming is more important than where you're trying to go. Yeah. I mean, that's, I couldn't have said it better. That's so golden. Um, I'm going to like write that down when we're done, but I, it's like, you know, it's the old adage, you know, shoot for the moon, you miss the moon, you land on a star or whatever that is. Shoot for the stars, you land on the moon. I don't even know, but it's also, 
like there's a guy named Bert Soren who owns, um, he's the president, excuse me, of Sorenex exercise equipment. And he's just like, he sells exercise equipment, but he's just an awesome guy. And he's extremely like, he's a visionary. Um, and the way he puts it is you walk through open doors. So if for some reason I'm on the path to becoming a general manager and this goes to what we were talking about earlier, I'm on the path to become a general manager. And all of a sudden I look to the left and there's this open door and it's wide open. And I see that there's a better opportunity for me, for my family, for whatever. I'm going to walk through it and I'm going to leave that dream there because it was still important. It was still really important. You know, like the, the path, the journey was still very important. Even if I don't become a general manager, it doesn't matter because whatever I become is going to be freaking amazing. You know, if I leave the path of being a general manager to go do something else, it's going to be awesome. It, it can't, it can't be anything else but awesome because that process that you're going through that journey to becoming a general manager, you're going to meet all these people. You're going to have all these experiences. You're going to have all of this growth. And then that's going to apply to your next venture. So no problem. You shed your skin. You're not attached to that identity and you move on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love, I love the theme of shedding, shedding your skin, shedding your skin, shedding uh, the past and being willing to step forward. Rachel, if people want to get connected with you, follow along your journey to the majors, to the front office, or potentially whatever life has in store for you next, where can they best connect with you? I would say um, the best place I'm on social media. The most time I spend is in on Instagram um, and it's just rachel.balkovec. And then I have a website. It's rachelbalkovec.com and got some cool stuff coming up. So uh, both of those places are probably the best place to get a hold of me. Awesome. And we will be connecting to both of those in the show notes today. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show with us this week. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Podcast. As always, if you want to get in touch with the show, drop me a note to podcast at competeeveryday.com. I'd love to hear your suggestions, feedback, show ideas, and more. And as always, if you're not in our free Facebook group, make sure you dive in there right now. Get connected with some other competitors at facebook.com slash groups slash compete every day. Now, Go compete hard and make it a great week.